It's another Behind the Buzz, a public fit theater company's occasional podcast uh, where we conversate about the stuff that goes into the production of our season of plays and stage readings. This is episode three of season number four, and today we'll be talking about our upcoming staged reading of Dominique Mariso's Pipeline. Right over there is APS Artistic Director Anne-Marie Pereff. Hi there. And soon we'll be joined by the play's director, Jason Nias, and actor Sabrina Cofield. But first, AM, it took us, uh, I don't know, a year or so to finally uh, get Pipeline to the stage. We'd announced it before, and then some obstacles threw themselves uh, in our path. Can you recount that process and uh, just tell us a little bit about the why and the how of, of, of how we finally... Landed this one. You want to talk about how last season we didn't do Pipeline? Well, just how it, how it came to be here. And, and well, I know how we didn't do it. And we well, didn't okay. do it All right. well, I'll, the way I'll... we didn't do Macbeth this year, the way we didn't do uh, Romeo and Juliet, and the way we won't be doing uh, Long Day's Journey Tonight next year. Yes, so we wanted to do Pipeline last year, and Jason uh, was slated to direct that. Um, but we had some challenges getting the rights, and so... Uh, I would. Uh, I don't want to put words in Jason's mouth, but I think we both agree that we love the script. It's a great script. And so I didn't want it to um, go by the wayside, and so uh, we found a way to do it in this year's season. And um, I also teach uh, women's playwrights, and I teach this play in my class. And I think it's a powerful story. I think that Dominique Mariso's language, her poetry in the story is quite nice. I love the family relationships in this play and i think that the title pipeline is is very telling uh, about and i don't want to speak for the black experience but my observations of the black experience and and she does a um a wonderful job uh, capturing that in, in in the play well i can already see sabrina and, and, and jason nodding like crazy as you opined about that so let's get them in right away we don't absolutely we don't need to speak too much yeah, longer let me just of, introduce really quickly mm-hmm. um Sabrina Cofield is an Afro-Latina actress, originally from Albuquerque, 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 New Mexico. <laughs> I've been to Albuquerque. Uh, I don't, didn't care for it. Um, yeah, but Albuquerque, but Albuquerque is a lovely town it's in New a... Mexico. She was a child performer, singing in church, uh, starring in school plays, appearing in local commercials. She graduated from Clark Atlanta University with a degree in journalism, and from there went on to pursue a career in TV news, spending nearly 10 years as a producer, writer, showrunner, reporter, and on-camera actor. You've got an Emmy, don't you? I do. Yeah, <laughs> but she left all of that. Damn! Uh, she left all of that to focus on her acting uh, career. Her first love has always been the stage. Uh, you've seen her in The Royale and Macbeth and A Midsummer Night's Dream. She played Nurse Susie in our production of Wit, and she is the founder of Black Butterfly Media Group. This is her first Behind the Buzz. Sabrina, thanks for talking with us about Pipeline. Thank you for did, having me. That did, was very interesting. Did I get most of that right? Uh, yes. Okay, yes. well, let's see if I can do the... You did all that. I'll, pay, I'll pay you later for it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, thank you. that's, that's your it. life. That is me. That's yeah, my life in a, in a paragraph. Yeah. Let me see if I can do as, as well with, uh, with Jason. Jason Nias is the founder and creative director of Melody, which he describes as an experimental body percussion company, uh, performing and teaching literally... Uh, worldwide. In fact, he's worked as a cultural ambassador with the U.S. Embassy in Africa, South America, and Central America. Uh, He started off life as an NCAA gymnast and then went on to perform with Stomp and Step Africa, 
as well as with Cirque du Soleil and Cause, Arcana, and One Drop. Currently, uh, Jason's an artist in residence with the International Museum of Dance, and he serves as an arts integration consultant with Focus 5 Incorporated. His previous work with APF as a performer includes the staged readings of Incognito, Appropriate, Lobby Hero, and In the Blood. Most recently, though, for us, he directed our stage reading of Skeleton Crew and was the director of last season's wildly successful The Piano Lesson. Uh, he received his B.A. in theater from the University of New Mexico. Is that in Albuquerque? Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> Albuquerque. What are the chances? <laughs> Did I get yes. most of that right? Oh, okay. yeah. Jason. Well, I saw you guys. So Henry was, was uh, describing the play and our sort of process in... in uh, trying to, to get it into our season and and we really you know, we fought to, to keep when we lost the rights the first time it didn't uh, dissuade us we obviously didn't do it in that season but it was um, important enough for us to keep uh, you know in our in our sights Sabrina I'm gonna start with you because for, I don't know why I get the impression I feel like you have a really strong connection to this play oh well yes I do because I'm a mother of two boys. Yeah. And so reading this, it's so beautifully written. It is so incredibly written and truthful and grounded and relatable. And then for myself as a black female with two black sons, there is there's such an understanding in the story and it's both beautiful and heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> I could not get through the script without crying. I will try. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it, it really speaks to my experience and the experience of uh, my community. Let me rewind just a, a second. And this may sound like a loaded question. It's not really. What's the play about? The play is about, oh gosh, I mean, larger idea would be like the school to prison pipeline would be like I that's guess, the on title a, on a, on where the title bigger, comes from pipeline, right, which yeah. is where the title comes from but it's about a mother who is an educator she works in the school system and she has a son who is a teenager and she uh, sent him away to a boarding school and um, he gets into a little some trouble at school and so she is really trying to protect him and save him and ensure that he does not enter into that prison pipeline. And it's not just a short-term story about trying to save him from the uh, disciplinary actions of the school in which he's in. It's Correct. sort of a longer-term um, salvation mm -hmm. arc that, that she's on. Yeah, Does right. that sound right, Jason? Is that the, what the play is for you? Yeah, and looking at the some of the research, it's, it's what you just said. Like, not just the school's disciplinary action, you might get suspended for a week or sure. something like that. It's really about when you're released into society and with the percentages of kids who are out of school, especially of black and brown kids, and how magnetic that pull is into the pipeline, into prison. Yeah. So it's a combination of both working together and seemingly by design. That's really what this is pointing the finger to, you know, uh -huh. how these systems are co coexisting to really, really attract these black and brown people people i don't like saying black bodies yeah. i do not like saying that yeah i like saying black and brown people they're full existing people so this play really gives really really a up close insight into the people into the lives into each decision and it and in, it makes them less of a stereotype less of a thing way over there and you really start to get and understand and connect with every single person who is going through any type of struggle but this huge magnetic system that is pulling them this way as well 
It's a gamble, Jasmine, all the time. You know, you send them away for, for a weekend or a semester or a school year, and you have no idea if they're safe. No idea if someone will try to expire them because they are too young or too black or too threatening or too quiet or too loud or too uninformed or too mysterious or too everyday or too cool or too uncompromised or just too, too. It, it sounds like you share uh, Sabrina's personal connection to the to the play. I don't have black sons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you black, are a black son. But being yeah. a black son, being a yeah. black man, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you. It's and it's 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 not a mystery. I think everybody knows it. We're all in these same societies, you know. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. may the pool may be stronger in certain areas, certain neighborhoods, you know, yeah. but. To talk about it poetically, the way that she does, uh, expose it, and really, really dig into, uh, Viola Davis put it this one way, uh, the pathology of it. Yeah. That every single minutia, why and when and how, and how one little choice, one little instance could draft you this entire other direction that you did not know your life was going and did not plan for. Okay, okay pretend, pretend for a second that I'm just a, a bald white guy. <laughs> try, try and pretend. I'm try really hard. Try hard. <laughs> uh, is this a preachy play? Am I going to be preached to? Because you said something about poetry, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes I wonder if a play like that um, comes out with a cudgel and uh, has has a point to prove that that and starts to swing really sort of wildly uh, at its at its subject. I think we're talking about the, the, we're being very specific about what the play is about, the storyline, but it's really about family. It's really about a mother who wants to protect her children. Yeah. It's about a father who is trying to be active in his child's life and the challenges that that brings. It's about, you know, divorce. It's about, you know, there's, it's, there's so many beautiful layers to the story that, I, I, you will absolutely not be preached to, to answer your question. Right. Well, and I, and I look at the impression in all the plays that I've read of hers, I don't get the impression that Marisa was a particularly preachy playwright. Mm-hmm. Her, her focus seems to be on what characters and language and... Yeah. Uh, Relationships. Uh, yeah, relationships yeah. And, and, and poetry, yeah. too. Jason, you brought up poetry. Um, talk a little bit about the poetry in the, in the play. Because that, when I read it, that's what really stood out to me. And it's not just in the, the actual literal poetry of the play uh-huh. within the play but actually the the language that she uses and I'll just throw this out you've come off of uh, the piano lesson where the rhythm of mm-hmm. August Wilson's language um, is very important to the drive of, of that play I think Mariso has a similar rhythm to her language I won't say it's similar to August Wilson's but it's certainly it's certainly distinct uh, and and drives the the um, uh, rhythm and language of the play forward in a very specific way. Am I wrong? 
You know what I want to say? I don't know if my, my ideas are going to come out in one straight sentence okay. like hers does. Yeah. That's the power of her writing, really. Yeah. She condenses an entire idea into one sentence. That's the poetics of it. You know, it's it's so compact and you're like, oh, man, you know. Maybe I, I could jump in. I, I uh, There's a scene between Jasmine, the love interest of uh, Omari, the son, and they talk about the metamorphic rock, right? Mm -hmm. She uses a lot of beautiful imagery uh, in the text that doesn't seem like typical everyday conversational language. And so the first time I heard the play, I thought, wow, there's so many possibilities with the language because the imagery is so strong. Uh, where most of the time, I'm uh, presuming, uh, I've only seen one other production uh, of this, uh, it's really set in a realistic setting yeah but i could see because the imagery is so strong and the poetry is a little bit outside of the world of realistic language that you could heighten it in some way if you wanted to because because of the imagery and that's what stuck out to me and we are we're playing with those conventions and how we're staging it how we're uh -huh. putting it up you know um so uh Omari Quadre, who's playing Omari, um, just yes yesterday uh, at rehearsal, he was saying, oh, "I'm kind of, I don't really know what to do with this because I think he just, he's not really comfortable with poetry, especially the blatant poetry, right?" Mm -hmm. um, and so we started working it it in a way that shows both of those worlds: the realism that's going on mm -hmm. in the in Naya's world, teaching the audience, right, uh, teaching the class, and in him, in this undefined space as she as she writes you know at the same time on the same stage oh, you know fun. so this blend of of you know these real this the, the the realism and this undefined space we're using those concepts throughout you know and how we move from one scene to the next and then uh i think that's a metaphor for how how she's using this poetry as well you know like there's ideals that each of these characters want to live as, want to reach, want to be, and then there's the reality of the what they're actually in, their oh, wow. surroundings. And I think that's the poetics, the magic of like, and you feel it and then you get it and then you come back to it a week later and you get more of it and it's like, it just keeps unveiling itself that both of these are happening at the same time. It, it, it sounds like you've discovered something pretty quickly that it took Anne-Marie and I <laughs> five years to discover. <laughs> no, which is, that, which is that the readings, you know, directing the uh. readings really allow you um, a different sort of freedom than when you're directing... Uh, well, you know, he's... a fully scaled production. Mm -hmm. The readings allow you to take bigger risks. They allow you to um, try, you know, different approaches to, to things. Have you discovered that? Both Anne-Marie and Diane, this round with this play, both said that from different angles. Y'all didn't say it together. It's like, I don't even know if you told each other <laughs> or each of you knew that you were each telling me that, but they said, take risk with this one. This is the this is the one, yeah. this is the chance. The, doing these library readings, this is where you can experiment, go a little bit further, try something brand new. Well, but, and, I, but I, don't, I don't think you needed to be told that. I mean, you you showed us that with Skeleton Crew. I mean, there was a there was a, a, a rhythmic movement sequence in Skeleton Crew in the character of an assembly plant that none of us saw coming. I mean, that seemed like a, a, a huge risk. But what I a, think is interesting, though, is now he's been on the other side. Now he's done, you know, you're in the room and we're talking about you like you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you're, <laughs> uh, you've done the piano lesson. You saw how mammoth a piece that is. And now, you know, you're doing Pipeline 
and, and there's a lot of pressure when you're doing a, a, a fully mounted, fully budgeted production. Where we're charging admission. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the readings are still free. Of Where course. I'm doing, I'm uh, directing a reading this year, you know, and I can't wait because I'm like, what, you know, exotic thing am I going to bring to the table? Yeah. Is this your first reading with us, Sabrina? You've done... No, I did um, In the Blood. That's right. Oh, that's right. In of the blood, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Actually, you're you, Jason. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you were bully. That's I was, right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, did, did, how are you finding it this time? Is it Has it changed? Has the process changed? I know our, our venue has changed somewhat. And uh, In the Blood was before, I think, we were sort of adding sets and, and costume pieces and whatever. So we've changed that scope a little bit. Has your approach to, to doing a reading changed? Yeah, very much so. I mean, because yes, In the Blood was still, I think, a little bit in the beginning of when very. we were doing the readings. And yeah. so there was still just, you know, microphones, a script in hand, and just very, you know, really just reading the story. But now it's such a beautiful exploration of what it could be, right? Like what it could be if it, if we were to do a full production or something like that. So, And you guys are spending a lot of time in table work, right? As, uh, as I understand it. You've done some of it here, and then I think some more even at the at the space what's what's that been like it's incredible uh jason's incredible obviously and and he really just forces you to to think deeper and to think more about these characters and the relationships and the families and then also dealing with the different images and imagery that that he's got in his mind and how it relates to the story so the table work has been really awesome especially with all the other actors there are some actors that are also in the play that this may be their first time being on stage. You've got some new, yes. some new we do. in this one. And, and it's uh, been fun. Well, and ridiculously dynamic. You've yes. Got, I think the whole cast is really, really dynamic. But you, you mentioned Quadre, this kid. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. When they came through to the auditions, we were like, everybody in the room would... Yeah, like, I remember. <laughs> no response. You know, it's like, yeah. what can you say? Like, they just came, just burnt. And then you ask them... What's your resume? What else have you done? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Stop lying. Get out of my face. Like, now answer the question. Like, I could go back and like... be that focused. That, yeah. yeah. How are oh they? How goodness. are they responding to? Um, how are they responding to uh, doing table work? I just want to say they're open. They're so ready. And you know, when I say they, it's uh, Quadre and Jasmine. And then the other new face is Devon, but he has he has some good experience. He's been yeah. bringing that to the table too. But um, yeah, Quadra and Jasmine, uh, the openness and they they're good. There's yeah. and it's not just natural. It's trained. It's studied, and it's and it's on purpose. And that's what I've been finding out over rehearsal. It's not just this fluke of talent. The talent's all there, but it's yeah. like yo, they work. They work and they're working hard and they and making choices and they're just open and receptive to like go on this bus that we're. <laughs> this, I, I, may, this I may be telling I may be telling tales out of school here and tell me if I am, but I I've, I don't know that I've ever met an actor who wanted it more than than Quadre. He has <laughs> he comes to see our shows not just once, not just twice, three and four times to just study yeah. the performers and study the work because he just wants it, whatever it is, wants it so so bad. I'm glad to hear that that's translating into to actual rehearsal. We need to work this out. I'm working my stuff. No! With me! We gotta work this out together! We quit together a long time ago. I never quit you! You quit her. And you quit me. I didn't. You don't know what you're talking about. There are adult business you are in privy to. 
You must learn to keep these issues separate. You are my son. I never quit you. She was, she was, she was creeping? That's the adult business? That's the grown-up stuff I can't handle? Never mind. Just let this go. And you, you and me, cold. Making her feel like, like shit every day. You was never happy living over here. That wasn't her fault, mine either. He texted me this morning. No, seven something in the morning. I'm yeah. in the gym at, at my, at my yeah. place. Uh, wait, there's still a seven in the morning? At seven <laughs> in the morning, he texted me and he was like, hey, so basically on one note that I gave him from the last rehearsal. And it wasn't even a note on what he did. It was like, okay, let's look into that. Let's see if we can devise something with this movement here. He's texting me. He was like, what if we do this and this, this, this? And so I'm in the gym sweating and everything. And so I'll take a picture. <laughs> well, if you do it like this. and so, so we got this whole text chain just from this. More, that's how dedicated this dude I'm is. really like, excited to see this this performance and this entire production. Um, and and that's, that's just a small reason for it. But uh, I have a little. Uh, he goes by Q, doesn't he? Or does he I go think, by Quadway? You know, I'm not sure. I, I don't know him outside of. This world, Phone yeah. in and oh. tell us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a lifeline. Uh, well, uh, he came up to me after, him and Jasmine uh, came up to me after Indecent, and they're like, oh, I, I, uh, I need to start learning dialects. I was like, why? You don't need a dialect for um, your current show. Yeah, but these other actors in your uh, play, they, they were using all these dialects, and I need to start learning how to do dialects. And I was like... <laughs> Yes, 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 you do. Let's, you know, uh, you don't need to know them right now. But I mean, he's he's down the road. Yeah. He knows he he's driven and he wants to just keep adding to his process. And like you said, I wish that I was that driven and that focused at that age. Yes. Because he's going to accomplish great things because of his seriousness. Mm -hmm. Yes. But you, you play his his mother. I do. Uh, Sabrina, is it, do you feel that a connection with all of this with, with him? Is there a... A hundred percent. He's like, an, like Jason said, he's so eager to learn and to just be there. It's so fun to like go through the table work and go through these characters and, and explore different avenues of being on stage and performing. I just, I love actually sitting back watching Jason work with them because you see light bulbs come on and you see them open up and become free. And it's, it's just really exciting. Like I wish I was mm -hmm. their age, however old they are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Don't we? Oh God, I wish He's I was probably your... way too old to be my son. I though, wish I was your age, Sabrina, for God's sake. Jason, you early on in this conversation, you, you talked about poetry and, and Q having some questions about the poetry. And we're not just talking about the poetry of dialogue and the poetry of language. We're talking about literal yeah. poetry. The, the, uh, going to the teacher. I think cool. that, yeah, yeah, I think that, 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 that that your character, so I think Mia is an is she an English teacher? Is she a literature teacher? I would say so because I I, so. I'm discussing a Gwendolyn Brooks play. Yeah, and they mm -hmm. and they talk I mean, about poem, poem yeah, and they talk about they talk about their um, um, classwork specifically about some of this poetry. How are you handling that? Do we do we have a another um, uh, machine shop auto plant movement uh, piece to look forward to? <laughs> Dun, Somebody dun, dun, else dun. asked me that earlier. Are we going to be clapping and stomping and doing all this tambourines? Like... I'm hoping tambourines. All I, want. <laughs> all I want is a show with tambourines. I started this theater company. We have yet to do a single tambourine production. You know what's funny? Like taking the advice to try something new. Yeah. 
actually no we're not <laughs> doing stomping and clapping something for, no. yeah something new for you is to not do that is right. to not do it and right. explore the imagery a little bit more explore the other sounds you know um i'm definitely you know like a little there's some you'll see it you'll feel yeah. it there's things that are not written in the play that i'm kind of just kind of like ooh, 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 but not <laughs> attached to stomping and clapping yeah yeah, and that was that's new for me, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. so that's that's actually where I'm trying to expand a little it's bit. It's nice to reinvent yourself, isn't it? That part, you yeah. know, keep on learning. That's and why. Stretch and yeah. see, yeah, see where other strengths may lie. Yeah. But he still does such a beautiful job of like incorporating who he is as a director, as a artist. AKA, I'll be acting a fool at rehearsal. No. <laughs> I will act I'm the fool. The <laughs> no, I'm talking about like in the direction of the play. <laughs> Just you like you can watch certain things that he does and you're like, oh, that's Jason. Jason did that because there's just there's a voice that he has that resonates through all the work that he does, whether it's, you know, stepping or anything like that. But there's something that resonates. that's very true and like rooted. Mm -hmm. So I think that is still there. And you know what's growing? I think, you know, all of this is about growth and everything, you know, again, going back to, OK, the C. lyrics, just try something new. Right what how much I've expanded because of uh this last two processes you know like with skeleton crew and the piano lesson man and it's it's become way more fun than I ever knew mm -hmm. than I ever expected before starting directing mm -hmm. and now you know like the table work it's that's, that's like the best part like I love it <laughs> I love it it's just geeking out on like it's a mystery novel finding the next clue finding the next thing and then it's like oh the next step is okay put it in their bodies or put it you know just make sure everything is communicated through the actors that they know it just that well and then you start just discovering how many choices they start making that you didn't think of and it's just the whole thing is just like this adventure you know, just to get the thing mounted. Are you, and get it are you finding stage. clues like that in, in Marisa's script? Are there words that are repeated or there are references that are, are sort of continually coming up again over and over again? Is she that sort of playwright for you? What we... Uh, now I'm about to get really specific, but sure. with Naya's storyline, you know, like there's a... It's unspoken, even though it's blatantly there and it's breath breath her attachment to breath her attachment to cigarettes and what that does over the course of the play yeah. you know that was and it's not a mystery mystery it's it's ingrained in the play but like to really examine where it's at in each scene and how it grows and moves like an amoeba and when she's in charge of it and when it's in charge of her and that is almost another character that's going on and that's wow. not written in dialogue but it's it's exposed throughout and so that's a fun thing to, to you're you speaking know. about addiction and she's not identified as an addictive character or as, or as an addict that's not a it's a quality no. but it's not necessarily the driving force of her character no not at all i mean i think it's how she's dealing or i am dealing with stress like uh, the the worry about my son and the situation and not unsure of how i can fix it if i even can yeah and so I think it is, it's a, it's um, just her dealing with that stress and, and trying to like just stay in the, stay present and not lose it. How much time have so, you spent thinking about this character? Because you were on board last year when we had originally, one. yeah, when we had, had announced it before. So you'd clearly read it and spent some, spent mm -hmm. some time with it. Has it gotten really into your head? It has. And again, it's because it's such a relatable story. Yeah. And so... There's so much of it that the thing that is incredible also about the writing is it's written so well that it's very natural. The language 
is language that, you know, a 17-year-old boy would be using or yeah. that a, a things that a mother would actually say to her son. It's it's not this, you know, kind of off-the-wall way of speaking that you have to kind of get into your brain and get into your body. It is a very natural way of communicating with everyone um, in the play. So that has also been very easy to get it into my body and into my brain. Also, kind of. I, uh, I mean... I don't know if you think of yourself this way, um, but she's a very elegant character and you're also a very elegant woman. So the marriage of you and her, I could see it being very easy because it's just so innate in you in that way. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see see how those two ideas blend. Blend together. Yeah, yeah thank you for that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's an incredible play. She's an incredible character. So, what else is coming up at A Public Fit as we plug along in this, our 10th season? Well, we've been talking about Dominique Mariso's Pipeline. Uh, that stage reading runs for two performances over at the Clark County Library on January 26th and 27th. But so much more yet to come this season. We're back at the Super Summer Studio Theater in February for our second main stage show, The Futuristic X by Alistair McDowell. And then back we go to the library in March for Lauren Gunderson's ridiculously funny exit, Pursued by a Bear. Our final main stage show is being presented in association with Vegas Theatre Company. Dancing at Lunasa by Brian Friel will be presented downtown at the Art Square Theatre in April. And finally, The Pavilion by Craig Wright will close out our 10th season with a staged reading in June back at the Flamingo Library. That's a lot to remember. So a quick visit to apublicfit.org lets you keep it all handy. Of course, stay tuned here for upcoming episodes of Behind the Buzz to soak up even more information and join even more conversations. We've got a host of performers and directors, designers, and, and playwrights to talk about the work we do. And, and speaking of Behind the Buzz, I feel like I'd be remiss uh, if I didn't mention the conversation that we had about our opening reading this season, The Lifespan of a Fact. Now, you never got to hear that episode. Um, a technical glitch prevented us from sharing it, but we had a great conversation with director Gigi Guzado and with Majestic Rep's artistic director, Troy Hurd. See, they're actually mounting the play, and we thought it would be fun to talk about two theaters doing the same show in the same season. Uh, so we had them over. Troy was great and very generous with his time. And I just wanted to make sure that everybody who saw our reading had a chance to see what they're doing over at Majestic. Their production of Lifespan of a Fact opens February 22nd. Run over there and see it if you get the chance. We, we've talked a little bit about the younger, um, not just newer, but literally younger actors. Everyone, they're all younger than us. I mean, look at us for God's sake. Um, <laughs> There uh, we're you and me. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yes, yeah. I, I was looking not, at you when not, I said not it. Not them. No, not them. You I was like, and hey, I. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Not them, no, us. Us. You and yes. me, Emery. These two youngsters. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Let's be clear. And we're but we're seeing. I think uh, we're seeing at least from my perspective. We're seeing um, uh, sort of flight from the theater for for younger audiences. There doesn't seem to be that much interest. You know, we're we're fighting a struggle to. Uh, uh, to bring in uh, younger audience members. These kids, the kids that you've cast in this play, love the theater. They love going to the theater, they love being involved in it. What's the trick, do you think, Jason, of, of, of expanding that appeal to 
um, to mm-hmm. younger audiences and, and letting letting we've always said you know it's one of our it was one of our early speech um, uh, talking points was that the future of the theater doesn't depend on new actors and new playwrights and new directors that the future of the theater truly depends on new audiences and and we've tried very hard with the, our talkbacks and our, our our buzz sessions and all these conversations to, to grow that theater is, is, is there something that we're missing <laughs> I mean you spend a lot of time look you literally are around the world teaching yeah. to young audiences working with young people please all, enlighten us everywhere it's, <laughs> yeah, I wonder what your journeys have taught tell you tell us what we need to do I, I honestly think it's it's where we are in the cycle to fight the cycle is just it, life is going to keep on life and that's that's just 100% so if you're in winter why are you trying to grow these crops it's, it's kind of like that meaning Here's what I mean with that. Did you just make that shit up? It's winter. Why are you going to grow these crops? Is that, did you just pull I'm that out of your ass just now? Because. <laughs> good, good stuff here. That was fantastic. I could have like, that shit down. You, well, all of this, you know, all t- technology, AI, everything on our phone, all it's we're going so far that way that yeah. a live event and a storytelling right in front of you is exciting now is and so that's the full circle it's like okay well that's so old school and then you go 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 this way right like with all this technology and all this on screen and you know like that now it's enticing to come back to the live theater so really the linchpin is they just need to know it exists they forgot or there's a big gap there you know with the uh, younger generations to they don't even know so exposing them to it so i i used to teach this was some years ago um after school program and I started with stepping, you know, but then uh, I did this little survey. What do you want to do? And one of them said acting. I was like, okay, well, let me bring in these little scripts of uh, condensed Shakespeare, like condensed Shakespeare. Didn't change the language, just shorter scripts of just some scenes and all that stuff. So brought that in. Man, and the, you talk about they were so attached to it. They were trying to learn the language. They were, they were, their minds were so open and their eyes were huge. And I did not know that was going to happen. I was like, okay, they're just going to be acting up. There's going to be behavior problems like there were with stepping. I thought it'd be so, I thought they'd be way more attached to the stepping. Yeah. When I brought in those scripts and I said, highlight that, what does that word mean? And then we just started breaking down the words of Shakespeare. Their eyes, their attention, their open chest were just looking. And then they weren't afraid to try and get up and do this one scene from Romeo and Juliet and this one scene from me, but they hadn't been exposed to it. I didn't know that. That was a big, just lucky, lucky, you know, that I was like, well, just made a choice this one day. And I was like, brought it to them, you know, versus you got to pay a ticket versus, you know, if they don't know it, it it exists and they don't know the power of it. So little, you know, in school demos, little assemblies or little workshops, will start to attract you know more of the younger generation what, i think what do you ascribe that that uh that enthusiasm to if they can see themselves in it somehow you know that's the power of representation um going way back to i don't know if y'all remember this when jada pickett smith uh boycotted the oscars Way back when, seven, eight years ago, whenever been, it was. I've been boycotting Jada Pickett-Smith, so I don't really... <laughs> don't not the current... The, yeah, we can talk about the current Will Smith current. No, none of this slap, <laughs> none, way before that, okay. when they were still the top dog of, of Hollywood, right? Got it. And she boycotted, and Will was up for an Oscar that same year, right? And she boycotted and basically created this campaign. Somebody asked me, like, two years after that, well, what did it do? What did, you know... Um, not just the boycotting, but what does he asked, what does representation really mean? And 
um, she actually started some programs and got some of the studios to start programs for interning, not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera, yeah. because representation matters. If you see yourself in those roles, if you know those things exist, you actually start to create a path, as we're talking about a pipeline, right? Yeah. A pipeline towards success, if you can see yourself there. My personal story, I didn't really, I'm not a drummer. As funny as it is, all this stomp, all this everything, <laughs> I beat all the rhythms on my body, but sticks in my hand, my left hand, no, hell no. It's, <laughs> sorry, y'all. Uh, but <laughs> it's not it. But, but when I saw the show Stomp with all the trash cans tour to Albuquerque, Albuquerque, right? <laughs> and I was sitting in the third row, and there was literally a, a dude, his name is Carlos. Um, he looked just like me, same size. I was this gymnast, right, yeah. back in the day. So he's just buff muscles, short, bald head, black dude. That's not like you, actually. And he looked dead like me. I saw myself. <laughs> I kind of already wanted to do it, but the confidence that that gave me, that's real. That is so real. And that is to come back to this plate, you know, like, or any kind of inner city. If you don't see yourself there, you don't know how to make a path there. If you even see one image of yourself or somebody like you or your mother or somebody, you start to make those neural connections that I could, I can, this is possible. Otherwise, it's not possible. Well, and, and Sabrina, and Sabrina, you've talked about the play being about a mother and her connection to her son. So clearly that's your, your perspective. So here we have a play for mothers. Is it also a play about a son and his relationship to his oh. mother? So we see the play from the perspective of the son. I know that's not really your character, but I'm sure you can speak to that a little bit. 100%. 100%. I, my boys will be there. They will be coming to see the show. And I just text two of my girlfriends who have sons, yeah. uh, telling them about the show and telling them, I, you got to bring your boys to see it as well. And so I think to piggyback off what Jason was saying, it's about it's about the the choice of of you know shows that are are chosen you know for each season something that is identifiable to a younger audience and some something that they can see themselves in and then obviously you know whoever's on stage it's just it's always everywhere we go especially with theater we want to see ourselves yeah. in something and if you go yeah. a few times and the story is not relatable and you don't see yourself on stage it, it, it's very easy to disconnect and so this is an incredible story because I do think it will attract or it should attract um, a younger audience and 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 male audience like a younger male audience which I think is really exciting because again the writing is spot-on and the characters are spot-on so they're very very relatable to a younger audience if they know about it if we can get the information yes. out there mm -hmm. and if they're still interested in seeing theaters Jason was talking about the the thrill of seeing a live story right there in front of him talking about the rubber band stretching and snapping back to wherever they may want to sit in front of a mm -hmm. uh, live you know real life people and, and hear a story yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> So that's the, that's the, that's the appeal of the of the show is uh, um, that connection to both sides, right? Mom and son and family and is, is it is it a show about race? Is that does that play into it? I'm trying to think. Do we ever mention it? That's funny. That was the same question in Skeleton Crew, right? And I don't want. I, I have not read all of Dominique Mariso's plays. Yeah. Um, but the the answer to that in Skeleton Crew was no, it's not about race. It's about workers in a factory trying to do a thing, right? right. This one, it is 
and it's not. You know, the bigger outside system is is happening, and that is about the race. But there is an aspect, yes, um, <clears throat> of why he's getting pulled so quickly, so immediately, you know, and what happened on that day. So I think that that does speak to why did he, Omari, the son, not get respected on that day which initiated the incident the that day happened of the incident of the incident um what i've noticed because i've looked at this play several times in in a classroom setting is omari is in a white school right yes and yes so and his teacher we don't see this happening on stage it's related uh through exposition but he's treated as the token black that. student, mm-hmm. um, which, um, because he's having complications with his father and unexpressed emotions, uh, there's that at play. But also because he's p- being treated as token, right, it, it creates uh, an emotional response in him. So that, that is a, a race issue. Also, uh, in the case of Naya, what I find to be interesting is she does not express her emotion she she pushes it down quite a bit whereas your counterpart uh the white teacher mm-hmm. right all she does is express emotion so um it's a commentary to me that white people are allowed to express their rage but the black population are not allowed to express their rage because if they do they'll get arrested or mm-hmm. something bad will happen to them so she doesn't come out and say that like she doesn't use language to say that it just is in yeah. the play and i think that is it's a commentary and it's a it's a it's it's a problem we should all be able to have spaces where we're allowed to express our feelings anyway <laughs> what the hell was i talking about louis oh exactly oh he could be a real terror when he was having a day so so one time he threw a book at me and just nearly knocked out that smart little West Indian girl that sat right in front of me. Okay, I don't think that you should call her. I, I grabbed his scrawny little ass in the middle of the class and gave him three whacks to his backside and never a book thrown again. <laughs> that kid got almost straight A's that year, but they they don't give me credit for that because he got to, got institutionalized a couple of years later and pulled out of school. So it's like he, it's like he never existed. But, but I had him functioning high, you know? A good old whipping can teach a lot. Can I just say too, I want I just want to tell a quick story and if this is, if, mm-hmm. if this is not interesting, we can, we can cut it. But we, we do readings at the house uh, here frequently in trying to put together seasons. And you both have been involved in a number of those readings to, to, to help us hear a play and to talk about whether or not it's a fit, huh, pun intended, for mm. us uh, here at APF. And one of those was, is, is it called Grandview? Uh, Fairview. Fairview, Fairview, Fairview. Mm-hmm. And we came in and we read Fairview. Sabrina, you were here. Jason, I think you were both here for that. And uh, that play has an agenda. It has a very clear agenda. And when it was all over, we said, is this a, a play for the season? These are the potential drawbacks, and this is what we think the buzz, quote-unquote, would be about that, that play. Um, very clear, a very clear play about the separation of, of the races. Mm-hmm. And I think to a man, everyone on one side of that conversation said, no, 
we're tired of this conversation. This isn't a conversation we want to have anymore. I thought the play was really well-written. I liked it very much. I'm, a, again, an old, bald, white guy. And my perspective was, oh, let's keep talking about this. But yours was completely different. I think both of you were of that same opinion of, this isn't a conversation that's interesting anymore. And I'm wondering if you're carrying that attitude. First of all, am I right? Am I, do I remember that correctly? Yeah, with that play, I remember that one sitting right here in this chair. Yeah, that very chair. <laughs> yeah, um, and and timing is a mm. lot had to a lot to do with that. You that's know, fair. That's coming a... off of the incident with George Floyd wasn't yep. an incident. That was a move. That was a worldwide mm -hmm. awakening. Yeah, and so the burden of teaching of black people teaching, teaching, teaching all the time. Oh, how to be regular, how to yeah. be human, how to have just some decency. Yeah, That's, at that time, what that play also carried. And it's like, no, that's the one thing at that time we could do is just say, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not going to carry this burden of teaching, explain. We've been doing that for 400 years. It's a no. And you're not feeling that in, in, in this play. You're not feeling that with Pipeline. No, the, this the... is a completely different play. Oh, the, yeah, I don't mean to compare them. I, don't, I think they yeah, are completely yeah, different yeah. plays about completely different subject matter. But the overall tone of we must educate, that, that doesn't feel like it's a part of your process here. I, I feel you. I hear what you're saying. And, and this just goes back to giving props to, uh, to Dominique Mariso because it's not preachy. It's you're just really going into each of these characters wanting something. She she writes really, <laughs> to, <laughs> she writes really beautiful. Eight, every yeah, this person at this is, table said that already. <laughs> this play might take off for her. Yeah. She, she might have a career after all. Like, you know, uh, a little up and comer. <laughs> <laughs> she might be honest with them. You know. The MacArthur genius, yeah. you know. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> already proven ten times over. But yeah, she might be honest with them. But... So no, in that in that way, it was an automatic, immediate yes. And the more that we get into this work, it's yes, yes, and more yes, you know. And yes, it does. It does. Like you were saying, I'm glad you uh, explained that because the race is is there, you know. But it's it's the reality that's it's a already the it's world. A it's of just, society. and we all know it, mm -hmm. you know. To so to just talk about it as if this is regular. It's it is regular. It's sad that it's regular, but it's regular, you know? So it's not pounding you over the head. We're really just getting into that decision on that day, this thing on this day. And it's really about the characters. It's really about these families trying to come back together some way by by what they know and what they think that they know works, what they've been taught, you know? And just to go back to Fairview, there might be a, come a time where it, it will be appropriate to do that, mm -hmm. that play. It just, when we were coming off of the... Uh, George out, Floyd, George Floyd, and coming out of COVID, it just didn't feel right. That's yeah. fair. I, I didn't even take into account the idea mm -hmm. of timing as a as mm -hmm. a. It seemed like a very reactive um, commentary to that specific play. And I, boy, timing didn't even occur to me. But I'm gonna go back, Sabrina. You were nodding all through Jason's commentary. There. Does that feel true? Yeah. Like I was saying, I was just saying it's a reflection of society. And you yeah. know, Anne Marie said it so beautifully um, with the white teacher and the black teacher in the play how one is able to express rage and another one is not and it's those nuances where it is just a reflection of the reality that we all live in and i just wonder if it will if it will even be understood you know it's one of those things where it's like we recognize these different things because we dive into the play and and, and we're looking at it but 
because it is such a normality, I wonder if it will even be noticed. <laughs> well, uh, having taught the play, yeah. it, it I didn't notice it for a mm. long time. And I'm sad that I didn't notice it yeah. because it's just in the air. And uh, you have to look at the play. So that's why I don't think she, it, the play is, she's not hammering you. Well, I, no, I agree. Yeah, I it's, I it, it's very, very subtle. Uh, but it is sad that it took me a while to see that uh, because I looked at the Lori character, that, that, that is her name, right? Mm-hmm. Am I yeah. remembering that correctly? That, you know, that's a, a normal situation where a teacher would be that passionate about trying to protect her students but we don't get to see you protect your son in the same way. Yeah. I, 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 I know that you want to protect Omari, okay? And, and I know that you care about him deeply. So deep I got indigestion of him. All right, but keeping his whereabouts a secret that is not helping him, do you hear me? Not even a little bit. What should I do with you now? Go follow him. Convince him not to do something he said his mind to. Do you really think that's gonna work? I wouldn't be worth my salt as a mother if I did it. Miss Joseph, I know you think I'm not good enough for your son. My parents think nobody good enough for me. I get it. Nobody's good enough for nobody. But me and Omari, we got something real. And even if you think I'm worthless, I'm still gonna love him. Okay, I don't think that you're worthless. Mm-hmm. Nah, you do. Well, and too, Emory, you can speak from, I mean, not just, uh, Sabrina speaks from the perspective of Uh a mom. And as far as I know, you don't have any children unless there's a secret you want to tell me. Just this puppy on my lap. (laughs) Um, But you can speak from, because you're a teacher, so you can speak from the educational perspective, uh, the educational institution perspective. Uh, What what structures are in place in the institution that that, um, this place speaks to? I think if in, in this story... If Naya had broken up a fight between two of the students with a broom, she mm-hmm. would be immediately fired. Yeah. Where in the case of Lori, she is not. Jason and mm-hmm. Sabrina are conspiring with the script over here. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for that quote. Uh, Dune says it. He says, "How you gonna understand? How you gonna understand a book you only skimming?" Mm-hmm. How you gonna understand a whole book that you're only skimming? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's Just, the play to you. Yeah, yeah, you know, and well, you you just mentioned it, you mm-hmm. know, like you you've been teaching it for years, or you've read it so many times, right? But then to realize, oh, this is here after this many times of reading it, mm-hmm. that's con- not. <laughs> oh no, I I'm it's... indicting myself. I am completely indicting myself. Absolutely. These inner cities like this one is placed in an inner city you know like mm-hmm. it, that's a you know from an external point of view that's what they're talking mm-hmm. about that's what she's saying you know like you're kind of skimming and so we're automatically thinking that we know what's going on or we know how to fix it or government can do this or another policy can do this without being in the classroom without being in that home mm-hmm. without really knowing what it's like to walk from here to here on a daily basis you know so it's skimming you know so anyway dune uh we talked about that the um the Im- the impact of that character the security guard mm-hmm. to say those lines again Props to Dominique. I love her. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Man. I think this goes back a little bit too to when we did the reading the very first time um, here, the table reading. There was a bit of a discussion about, well, maybe, you know, she's kind of missing the mark because 
I don't think that that would happen to this kid. He's a good kid. He's at a good school. You know, he's, you know, this is just, he hasn't, he doesn't have a big history of, of having problems. And so I think he'll be fine. And I wholeheartedly disagreed with that in the sense of having boys, sending them to great schools. They're, you know, they've never been in trouble, whatever, but it's like, you don't see that or a police officer or whoever is not going to see that on the street. You don't see all of these things that make him worthy of being protected or of not having, you know, a strike against him ruin his whole life. You, my son is walking down the street in a black hoodie in a neighborhood that he does not belong in. Yeah. That is what they will see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens as a result of that mm-hmm. will not have anything to do with his education. You know, what kind of person he is, what instruments he plays, what scholarships he has. It will have nothing to do with that. And we're going to blame the hoodie. It will have to do with what is what is a preconceived idea mm-hmm. of who he is. Yeah. And so that speaks to Jason saying, you know, you can't understand a book that you're just skimming. It's this idea of we're making very snap judgments about people and circumstances without reading. Mm-hmm. So I think this play does a good job of mm-hmm. making us read, helping us mm-hmm. see, well, see people. That, that seems like plenty. So let, let's, uh, let's end it there. Thanks. Uh, Jason, thank you, Sabrina, uh, for talking about your work um, this afternoon. I love these conversations. Uh, can I say, yeah, I want to say thank you to APF, to you two, uh, who made a conscious choice to start selecting these plays, you know, to give voice to these plays, these playwrights, these stories, because this is the how. You ask, how do we attract more young yeah. people to the theater? They need to see themselves. And that's not just a black or white thing, but yeah, more people are yeah. seeing themselves in these plays these are american plays these are plays you know this this is just humanity so you guys being one of the companies who are really actively on purpose choosing to in uh to include in the season plays like these you know um these are not just black plays there's nothing charitable charitable about it i mean it's it's clearly just right (laughs) we are just blatantly uh, scrapping for whatever audiences we can and they're just great stories They're, they're they're um She's a great playwright. Great and playwright and stories that need to be told. But there was a line. It well mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. to me, doing some of the readings before and seeing uh, not every single season, but seeing what you've done before, the audiences that come, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's free or paid, and then the line after that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that the line is the George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've observed being in Las Vegas and being here. So. I just want to acknowledge that to make a conscious choice that sitting down, reading 100 plays that, that you know, here that, that never got produced and just kind of choosing the next season and mm-hmm. the wise and the awareness, the awakening, and then actively doing it. Because there's a lot of talk going on, mm-hmm. a lot of DEI t- uh, departments mm-hmm. that have closed back down. Yeah. And you're, mm-hmm. you're still doing it. So I do want to give you well, your acknowledgement for being one of those companies who are actually doing it because this is how change happens. Mm-hmm. Well, I love what August Wilson did. He had the, like, the Pittsburgh cycle, right? Yeah. And he wrote, was it eight or nine plays? Ten, ten total. Ten, ten yeah. plays. And so it, isn't this part of, like, the Detroit cycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's, uh, he paved the way, August Wilson, and I love that a woman is picking up the torch. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great. Thanks, guys, for coming. I can't, I can't wait to see this one. I, the way you talk about it with such passion and the choices that you're making and the, the, the casting, I'm, I'm really...
definitely I'm looking forward to this one a great deal um, two performances yeah just the two yeah but 300 seats 300 seats oh, yeah. <laughs> and see 600 what? people in Vegas will see this show <laughs> <laughs> well we, we we really do love these these conversations and you yes you out there if you're listening uh, right now I hope you enjoy these conversations too and if you do uh, I hope you'll take the time to maybe give us a quick review um, either through this service that you're using or through the Google or the Yelp or the Apple. Uh, your feedback uh, makes certain that we can build on these conversations and create the specific sort of content that you're interested in. Um, you can also connect with us the old-fashioned way uh, through email uh, by writing us at behindthebuzz at apublicfit.org. We really love hearing from you um, because otherwise we're just talking to ourselves. And as you hear me say after every episode, there is so much to talk about. Behind the Buzz is a product of a public theater company. It is directed by Anne-Marie Pereth and me, Joe Kukin, and is recorded, mixed, and edited by the nomadic Diane Walton.